Welcome to That Really Happened Podcast, Scott. Thanks for being here. Usually I don't build introductions into the actual episode. I go back and do it, but I figured since, you know, we haven't caught up in a while, except the other day, I would just give you a second to introduce yourself and we could reminisce a little if we need to, but um, really, I just wanted to say, who are you? What are you doing here? What are you doing in life? Oh gosh, that's a lot of questions all at once. I know. Um, who am I? I don't know. I think I'm probably a nobody. Um, I'm a random dude named Scott, uh, originally from north side of Pittsburgh, a little town called Newcastle, Pennsylvania. But for the last 10 years, I live in the city of Philadelphia. I've been married for six years. I better get that right. Yeah. Uh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Uh, I've been married for six years to my beautiful, wonderful wife, Darlene. Um, and yeah, I live in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, Darlene and I launched a nonprofit about a year and three months ago that I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about in this episode. Um, but I guess I'm here because I met you like seven years ago when you were a little pup at, uh, undergrad IUP and she came out to, uh, to a spot in Philly for like a week on like a mission strip thing with an organization I was on staff with and we got connected and we ended up um, spending a summer together um, when she was an intern of mine um, at that organization. So that's kind of how we got connected and her husband, Mr. Dom Dom, he and I actually went to school together. So we went to undergrad together at Grove City. And so Emily and Dom are, you know, dating whenever she was an intern. And so it was just kind of like this collision of worlds for me. Um, so obviously, you know, we've stayed connected since. I've been out to Indiana a few times to the church that you guys were going to at the time um, and got to be a part of, you know, kind of your lives in that way as well. So a lot of overlap, a lot of ways we've connected. What am I missing? But well, I remember the first time I, like, heard of you, I was going to CCO, which was Liberty at the time, through IUP. And you came and just kind of ministered to everybody, maybe did like some spoken word and just prayed over the campus and things like that. And I wasn't able to go that night. Well, I wasn't able to go that night. And uh, they were like, oh my gosh, Scott came and there was all this breakthrough and all this stuff. And I was like, that's dope. Like, that's cool. But I had no idea who you were. And then I last minute, I think, became a part of the spring break trip for the Philly Project. Um, because of some circumstances and then through those circumstances as well at the end of that spring break trip I interviewed with you guys to become an intern for the summer so because you guys were short and intern yeah yeah, yeah. I remember that yeah though that night at IUP that you weren't there that was definitely that was pretty that was a really really great night I mean I think you know I just kind of led with humility and uh just shared you know my own shortcomings. We talked through like Philippians chapter two and uh, it was, it was really, really a powerful night. Um, ironically, it was one of those nights where I think everybody pitched that I was going to come in and do spoken words. So like everybody showed up and then I didn't do that. <laughs> we just spent all of our time diving into this text and letting the Lord lead. And yet it was like a really, really powerful experience. Um, I, I had that cyclically at IUP for whatever reason, those were just some of the 
like rawest, most powerful nights um, in my calendar year after year coming back to IUP. So shout out to CCO, shout out to uh, Amplify, you know, all the all the different connections over there. Uh, sure. It's been a it's been a great relationship, you know, and I'm really honored to to have had that kind of uh, run with run with y'all out there. It's been it's been really, really, really cool. Yeah. For sure. Thankful for that. And even though I wasn't there, I definitely feel like I reaped the fruit of that night because that was like such a time in my life where I was coming back to the Lord and things like that, um, just through like depression and things like that. So I feel like whatever was happening there with the leaders and whatever, like I still benefited from that. So even from then, you know, there's just a connection and it's cool that I was able to be on your team in Philly and, you know, go through those dynamics and grow as a leader by you know realizing how dumb I am but uh that's what I look back on <laughs> you actually kept coming back to IUP to recruit like interns and things like that but also just to serve whatever ministries you know came out to that night and things like that and I remember and we'll get into this you came with Ripe but we're also representing the Philadelphia project. So we'll get into the, like how there was just so much overlap and how you're doing what you're doing now. Yeah. So um, it was about, it's very funny because I say 18 months ago we launched uh, or 16 months ago we launched a new nonprofit, but I guess, you know, there's so much to that story, even in terms of how we got started and why we did what we did and, all that kind of stuff. But in a nutshell, I, I launched a 501c3 uh, ministry department of a larger organization called Artists and Christian Testimony International, which is a mouthful. I know um, the ministry department is called Ripe Creatives. And the interesting thing about Ripe Creatives is it's really only one half of the coin of Ripe because there's another side of Ripe that's like a video production, pseudo music label, artist communities thing. Um, that I was a part of even while I was on staff at the Philadelphia Project. And so kind of towards the end of my tenure at TPP, um, I was kind of like, man, what, what do I really feel passionate about? What do I feel called to? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of complexity to how I came to this conclusion. But I um, kind of was like, you know, if I could do anything, it would be like raise resources like I was doing at TPP to be able to do arts and missions full time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but that's not a real thing. <laughs> you know, like, that's not, that's not real. Like that's made up. And then I found out about ACT international and how they've been doing that with 500 people across 40 countries around the world. Oh, cool. And I was like, oh, wow. Like this, this is, could be a covering and a support system and a validation to what I felt like I was called to do, even though it wasn't supernatural, you know, to a lot of people hearing about it. They're like, what, what is this? Is this real? How does this work? Um, but we stepped out in faith, launched it in September, technically in July, while I was still on staff with the Philadelphia Project, but we didn't step into it until July, uh, or until August, rather, when we stepped down from TPP. Um, I was on staff there for almost a decade, like nine years. Yeah. Um, so we had a really great run and, you know, stepped into this new thing. It's been you know, 16, 17 months or whatever. It's been 18 months, I guess, almost. Um, and God has just like blown every expectation out of the water um not without challenges especially over the last nine nine months we yeah it, but um it's just been such a joy i i feel so fulfilled i feel at peace um very hopeful 
And, you know, I, if I have like a fear, it's just that this won't last, you know, like, I'm just like, I hope this just can continue. Um, because it's been such a, such a really cool season of life. Um, and so much had to happen for this to even be confirmed. You know, we had to submit under our home church leadership and, you know, get other mentors around us and be like, Hey, are we making sense of this? Is this the right way to go? And just green light after green light after green light to finally launch and do it. And it's just, yeah, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind and a really cool experience and something I wouldn't trade for the world. You talked about how it's a nonprofit and you have the video production side and the music side and um, ministry, things like that. But can you just go into specifically like what you're doing within Ripe? Yeah. So um, Ripe Creatives, when we launched it, you know, we kind of had this five fold approach with the intent of narrowing, narrowing that focus to like, you know, two or three main things and then maybe some ancillary things. But we just kind of were like, we don't know exactly what God is going to breathe on or bless. It was kind of the language that, that I felt like made sense to me. Like what is, what, what sales do we, we throw up the sales and wherever the wind kind of takes us, that's the direction we want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we're not going to be fighting against the current, you know, God's going to be pushing us in the right direction. So we kind of said, let's, you know, spread out a wide net early and figure out what God kind of has his hand on and then focus in that direction. And those five things for us were one, the ripe community. So the other guys in ripe, investing in them, spurring them on, creating opportunities for them to leverage their gifts in the arts uh, to be able to reach people with the gospel, right? Or to help them get opportunities to develop and grow in their craft. Um, or to just help them as men be better husbands, you know, or better boyfriends, uh, or better in their particular other role that they might have, um, you know, to be able to make ends meet or whatever it might be. So just be like a big brother, uh, that encourages them, loves on them, um, try to develop those relationships more as peer to peer than big brother, little brother, mm-hmm. uh, just want to like model, like it's us together and everything. Um, so, you know, yeah, but it, but there's still a level of like, you know, there's aspects of just because of the nature of our relationship. A lot of these guys I've known since they were 18, 19, 20. Now they're in their mid 20s. Um, and so, they, you know, there's a there's a level of like, hey, Scott, what do you think about this? Scott, how do you feel about this? Um, that they just kind of come to me around certain things that they're going through, which I think is super, super humbling and awesome. So that's number one is just the team. And all of what Ripe is and helping further Ripe um, as a brand and as a vision. Second thing was in our name, Creatives, is uh, event branding. So we actually throw our own events in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, obviously, COVID has impacted that a lot. Um, but I'll share, you know, we, we, we kind of moved to virtual in a big way over mm-hmm. the last nine months that I'll get into. But Creatives was kind of the second thing. Uh, then the third would have been me as an artist. Uh, so I, you know, perform and write spoken word, uh, write and perform, I guess, is the better order. <laughs> um, and I've been doing that for, for almost 10 years. So uh, I'm not the best. I'm not amazing at it. But, you know, God has definitely given me a gift to steward. And so I wanted to make sure that, you know, I could do that when the opportunities arise, that I would have, you know, the infrastructure and covering to be able to do that well mm-hmm. um, and not do it from a place of need. Um, not do it from a place of, man, what can my gift get me? But rather, how can I leverage my gift to serve 
and to build others up. So um, that's one of the things that I do regularly. Uh, you know, pre-COVID, I was in in different secular open mic space almost every week. Um, you know, sharing this gift that God has given me in an audience that may or may not have any idea who Jesus is. Um, so that's been that was really really cool. Um, the fourth thing was writing and um, uh, like messages and, and being a speaker, being a curator of conferences and retreats and stuff like that. Um, have a big passion uh, to preach the word of God. Um, love the way that the word just comes alive and study. And I think God has given me an ability to articulate, especially to young people, especially to teenagers and college students, um, young adults. So, uh, you know, doing that whenever those opportunities arose, when, when ripes, when ripe creatives was launched, that was actually the biggest thing in the fall of mm -hmm. that first year, a year ago, I was getting booked for a weekend retreat, like two to three times a month, um, that I was gone all weekend and doing a retreat for somebody. So I was like, Oh, God's really breathing on this in this season. Well, now that COVID's here, <laughs> nobody has any retreats or <laughs> yeah. conferences or anything like that. Like that's gone. Yeah. Uh, but that was one of the one of the five. And then the last thing was partnerships. And that came from really the DNA of the Philly project, you know, like partner. Well, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to do every aspect of your ministry. Um, we had a track at the Philly project that was Mercy Men. It was like, let's just bring people and resource other organizations well with whatever they need, whatever they tell us they need. We want to provide that. And so similarly, that was that was our fifth branch of right creatives was like, how can we serve people who are doing uh, things well in the city in this realm of arts, creativity, missions? Mm. Um, and so, you know, that came from, you know, becoming a member of Rec Philly, you know, uh, that has six, seven hundred members in the city of Philadelphia. Just being a member, being an active participant in the culture of that place, um, going to Voices in Power, which is a monthly uh, event for spoken word artists. Um, being a part of Takeover Philly whenever I pre-COVID um, with Doc Hero, who's doing like a hip hop outreach for teens. Um, you know, the Homestead up in Glenside was a new venue that was opening up. We got to be a part of walking them through that process a little bit, resourcing them, um, doing events with them, helping them kind of get on their feet. So just trying to find strategic ways to help people that are passionate about what they're doing uh, to be able to get to their goals a little bit more effectively, a little bit more efficiently. So those were the five things. It was write creatives, writing and performing spoken word, uh, traveling and speaking as a, you know, itinerant speaker, especially to young people, and then partnerships in the city of Philadelphia. So. I love that. And there's like two thoughts I have from that is one, you talked about functioning not out of a place of need. And so I, you know, we were able to talk about that the other day and I'd love to just hit on like the freedom that that brings and then secondly is just the aspect of like championing others in their call for ministry how you guys have been able to kind of create your lane and like you said spread out and then maybe narrow a little and refine like what that looks like and I love just like that last that fifth part of just like blessing others to move forward in their mission, in their goals, in their ministries. So do you want to touch a little first just about um, like the freedom that comes from functioning out of that service versus a need? Because we all have needs, you know, eating, drinking, you have a wife, you know, and so how does that work? How does that balance work? Yeah, so I will, before I can even get to how does that balance work, 
I want to say how it's possible. Um, like it is legitimately all God through the generosity of others. Like people are giving resources, whether that's a hundred dollars one time a year, 20 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month, 500 bucks a month, you know, $8,000 a year. Like it's wild just how people have caught a hold of this heart to, you know, do the work of evangelism and to edify the church through this arts and entertainment realm. Um, and have said, yeah, we'll be a part of that with you. We want to support this. We want to see this happen. And without that, like none of what I am talking about or championing, championing, I'm a spoken word artist who can't speak English. But anyway, so yeah, like people have been generous to us and not to us, but to the vision, I think, you know, and to us as well. Like there's definitely a relationship. Um, and we're, we're thankful for that, but that's what creates the ability to step into any opportunity with a very different mindset than a lot of the way the Christian arts world operates because the Christian arts world, sadly to me, operates a lot more like the secular arts world where it's a business transaction. You provide a service or a product and we will pay you for that service rendered or that product that you produced. And you see this with artists, you know, that are musicians, right? They create songs and they are hoping that those songs are streamed enough because nobody buys records anymore uh, to where they could produce income and revenue for themselves. And I just came at it like, man, if we really see, see ourselves as missionaries in this realm of arts and people would support us, we don't have to look at any opportunity from a place of what can I get from you? to justify me doing this opportunity. The opportunity is already justified because the resource has already been given for me to do this opportunity. Yeah. And so to come from a place of actually like not worrying about the bottom line because the bottom line has already been met through the generosity of others. And I just, to me, I'm like, that makes sense because artists that are really, really talented and I don't feel like I am that talented but I hope to be a guinea pig for others to be able to walk this out in a whole different level than what I'm capable of doing. Um, you know, I hope to be the, the, the first of many. And I'm not the first of many because people are doing this all over the world through ACT and through other organizations that are similar. You know, there's, there's a lot more people than just me saying this. Um, but in Philadelphia, I was the first. Right? In Philadelphia, I was the first person to, to try to do something like this. Yeah. And so I kind of view it as, man, if I can, if I can be a model for others, then that might change, you know, the, the next Scott or the next whoever that's way better than me, where they can start to move with ministry really being the focus mm -hmm. because they don't have to worry about how to get enough resources from their art to eat and sleep and pay their bills, yeah. you know? Um, because and here's where the impetus comes from this for me. The philosophy is is reared in this belief um, that I believe artists are the strategic evangelists of 2020. I just believe that to my core, that if you're going to reach especially the next generation that lives on media, that live on their phones, that live on TikTok and Spotify and YouTube and SoundCloud and Instagram and not Facebook, let's just name that, not there, but they live in these media things. They're consuming content. And so if you really want to reach this generation, 
especially during a pandemic, you have to create content that meets them where they are. And that was like a point that I wanted to make too, is like how you survive through 2020 with that conviction of like, this is what we're supposed to be doing right now. And I feel like that's something that you bring into whatever you're committed to. Um, and I had just said that in the interview questions, like I see Scott Smith as someone who's like hundred percent invested and you're also willing to like stick out the storm. And there's so much in that perseverance that I'm sure has brought character in you, but something that a lot of like people like me who are like in ministry, when the fire comes, like sometimes I'm just like, okay, I'm out. Like, and so I just think there's so much that we can learn from like someone who you were with the Philadelphia project, like you said, for like almost a decade. And there were so many shifts and changes and growth and decline and this and that. And now we're doing, you know, like, you stuck through that. You saw it through till God, you know, moved you into something else. And I just love that. And so can you just like speak to that conviction and that perseverance? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's something that's innately in me. I, I think if I'm like an Enneagram type, I'm a seven. I, I, there's a possibility that I have like a six wing with the loyalist stuff. I don't know. Um, but I think... Yeah, I, I would say I got a lot of that from my mom. My mom is like, I mean, I, I could go into some specific details, but I haven't asked permission to tell any of these stories, so I won't. Uh, but my mom is just like super loyal and super like all the way in all the time in the core relationships of her life. And I've always appreciated that about her. Um, when I went to Philly, though, you know, like I went being asked to commit to three years. And so... When year one was hard, when year two was really hard, when year three stunk, it didn't matter that those things were the case because I'd already given my word that I was going to do three years, you know? And I, I actually am under the impression that almost anything that's new in the first three years is going to be hard, you know? It's going to be challenging. You're going to want to quit or give up. Um, and so in that space, it was, there was a lot of challenges, a lot of difficulty. We had two people on staff trying to run an entire organization, you know? And it, it was a lot. And we had an amazing support team and people volunteering, doing different things. But it was a lot, you know, it was, it was definitely a lot. And um, but I had this like I'm staying because I gave my word that I'm staying. And my philosophy around it was no matter how hard this is, maybe even at times some things might have been unhealthy. Right. And when we use that word, we automatically can be like, it's unhealthy. I got to set up my boundaries. I got to do something different. Jesus going to the cross wasn't healthy. Like he wasn't like, I got to set up my boundaries here. The cross, you know, like, no, he, he, he went and he suffered and he died. And I think there isn't a very good language in Christian, like American Christianity about suffering. So here, here's, here was my lane for how to navigate those first three years that were challenging. Everything that happens to me in these three years is a part of God trying to make me more like Jesus. Like, bottom line, he wants to sanctify me and conform me into the image of his son. He's not trying to increase my influence or my giftings. All those things might happen. But at the end of the day, what is he after? He's after my heart. He's after shaping me and molding me to be more like Jesus. And whenever that's your frame of reference, you can go through difficult things, 
for a long period of time because you know that it's producing something in your heart. It's producing character. It's producing that perseverance. And I think that lens of just like, yo, whatever God's doing in this, it might be hard, might be challenging, might not be what is comfortable, might not be what I would want to be doing, but this is producing something in me. And that's, that's important. I mean, even whenever I was pitching the internship to y'all, like my, I was never like, come have the summer of your life. I was like, come and get your butt kicked and grow up, you know, like in, in Jesus, like this is going to be the hardest thing you've done to date. There will be much harder things later in your life, like getting married and having children and holding down a job and, you know, having teenagers, I'm sure is probably the worst of it. Right. But there's going to be way harder things later in your life. But as an 18, 19, 20, 21 year old, I can almost say without a shadow of a doubt, what you're about to experience this summer is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. Now, if you don't want to be challenged, you don't want to grow, you don't want to be uncomfortable, don't do this. Don't do the Philly Project to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to grow in your faith, I can guarantee you, you will. You know, And so that was kind of my mindset in that space. If I'm going to challenge young people to do something that's uncomfortable, I got to be willing to to lean into the uncomfortability of it as well. That's cool. And, um, yeah, but but thinking of, thinking through the lens of sanctification uh, changed everything for me, for sure. I love that. And it's, I experienced that. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Yo, em, let me, let me, let me, Emily, Emily cracked me up because when things got a little bit uncomfortable in the community aspect of it, she was the one that was like, I'm going to peel away. And I'm going to go talk to Dom for three hours tonight. And, uh, yeah, I think we had a couple of run-ins where I just, I was just like, I mean, cause you're tired in the summer. So your filter is just gone. And especially with y'all, I just, I love you guys. You know that I love you. It's never to harm you. I'm just going to say what I need to say. So I was just, I don't even know what I said to Emily, but I was just like, yo, grow up. It was roller coaster, but you definitely like called me out on my pride for just, like you said, peeling away and also, I think trying to do things like on my own strength because I was getting burnt out and I think you were really concerned for me like you need to rest or else you're not going to make it to the end of the summer which was absolutely true like two weeks before the end of the summer I got these like horrible ear infections I was so sick I just was like in bed like I can't do anything like you called it and so what you're saying was there was so much like maturity that needed to happen and I can look back in it with like so much fondness <laughs> but in the moment it's just like yeah, my pride no like my pride definitely got the best of me and it still does I mean what Christian doesn't deal with pride but yeah. it's just like so thankful for that like you said you were willing to walk through that yourself so then you were able to lead well um, when other people were going through that process so there's so much to learn from that. <laughs> Can you talk, um, now we're in 2021, but just looking back on the year um, and just some of the ups and the downs, can you name just like a point where you were like, I don't know if we should keep going and like how you overcame that. And then maybe after that, just like a really highlight, you know, something that you were really excited about that you got to be a part of. Yeah, so... Oh, man, I don't know if there's been a we should shut the whole thing down, but certainly like moments of I don't know what to do. Um, I don't know what's effective. I don't know how 
how we can do this. Um, but I, yeah, I'll just take you through. Like we hit the ground running in March, which was weird because everybody else was shutting down. And we were like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna do virtual open mics, and we started doing them, and they started kind of you know relatively doing something. We did something unique, like we we gave money away. And our heart in that was we didn't know a stimulus was coming. We didn't know people could get on unemployment immediately or whatever. And I know a lot of people have challenges with that. But our heart was like, yo, artists that gig and some who actually gig for their income are about to be stranded financially. So what if we do these open mics to build community and all that kind of stuff? We also resource artists with some dollars and cents that they wouldn't get without us being able to be generous in this way. And that was really, really fruitful. I mean, we were doing two, two or three a week in March, April, May. Things were kind of really building. Um, we ended up raising resources on my birthday in April to package together a grant. We had more than a dozen artists apply for this grant and fill out all this paperwork and, you know, ask them questions about who they were and what they were trying to do. And then we awarded the grant in May. So I was super like, let's get after it. You know, everybody else. He's like, I don't know what's happening. I was like, come on, let's get after it. <laughs> yeah. June, when the stuff with Brianna and George Floyd stuff happened, that that was a big pause, you know? Like, that was trying to figure out ways to engage in meaningful ways um, in our community because we were living back in Western PA during the first part of the pandemic because it just did not make sense for us to physically be in Philly when we would have been trapped in our apartment and our family. Mm-hmm. And all our nieces and nephews are here. Um, so we were here in Newcastle and realizing, oh, Philly, like our church, everybody else, there's a bunch of really, really solid Christian men and women like leading the charge um, in Philly on how to engage with the protests and everything else. But in Newcastle, there was there was less, I would say, people that were really engaged in the work. And I came, came to find out it's because they tried to engage in this conversation in years past and were, were shut down or um, you know fought against or it just became more drama than it was worth mm. and so we we were kind of fresh blood for Newcastle being in a city in Philadelphia when anything has happened in this vein we know how to engage how to get out to the streets how to do meaningful work how to you know like how to start conversations how to pray how to seek earnestly for justice through the lens of Jesus right and mm-hmm. But in Newcastle, that was kind of new. So we got to be involved in some stuff in Newcastle. But that was definitely a discouraging season. I mean, mm. just super discouraging. It was it was awesome in the conversations that were happening, but it was just a heavy time. And so we kind of hit the pause button in June. And then I think where real discouragement came in was maybe in August when we re-entered like entered into the virtual thing with the pretense that by October, we'll be out of this. Hmm. And then October comes and went, and we're not out of it. And then November hits, and November's like, it's worse now than it was then. Mm-hmm. And that was like, ah, I thought we were doing all this stuff in the meantime to just be ready for that time. And then God's like, this is what it is. And so, you know, we've just been trying to be faithful with what we can do. How hmm. can we engage? How can we love? How can we serve? How can we create opportunities for people to hear the gospel through arts um, and creativity? You know, and that's just kind of what we're doing. Um, you know, week in and week out. So it has not been in person, 
you know, but I think we've, we've found some, some cool ways to move forward. But that October, September, October thinking, you know, we'll be out of this and then not, that was, I think, a big, oh, what does this mean? You know, kind of yeah. moment for us, for sure. Let's talk about like a highlight. Like that just pumps you up. Like when you talk about Ripe and you think about where you guys have been and where you're going, like, can you just share a moment? Yeah. Um. So I, I would say, so there's, you know, seven guys on the team in a intimate kind of way. Like Aaron, Abel, uh, Aaron is Abel. That's his rapper name is Abel. Rick Harmony. Josh Schaefer is a drummer, uh, worship leader, musician dude. Um, Dan Jaffe is a videographer. Matt who's a videographer. And myself. And then this, our newest addition was Rashid. And I actually talked to Rashid about this recently because he said, I don't know if I ever would have joined, right? Because um, we basically create a covenant that has like some standards and stipulations and values that you're saying, I affirm these things and I will hold myself to these things before you can like join the, the community um, in a, in a like every week kind of way. I'm in the meetings. I'm talking to you guys. We're building this together. And I reap the benefits of building this with you guys in a real practical sense on the ground as we move. Um, and Rashid, she's amazing. But, you know, we like offered to him and he like waited like three, four months before he made his decision. It might not have been that long, but it felt really long. And he actually said to me, you know, the other day, he sent me a really long text just about like how ripe has been one of the best things that's ever happened. And, you know, I, I love this kid. Like, he really is so humble and sincere. And that's, like, to me, the best thing. You know, you, you can have all the talent in the world, but you don't have that, like, character and integrity or at least a malleable heart to develop that. It's going to be very difficult to work together, you know. That's going to be – it's going to be something that cyclically comes back up until eventually there's, like, a break where your heart breaks and, like, you really – uh, meet the Lord in a profound way that changes you from the inside out or a breaking of the relationship, you know? And that's just the nature of these types of things, you know? And Rashid is like so sincere through and through. I love him to death. And we had an opportunity to do our first YouTube live stream in November. Um, so we're doing once a month on YouTube, like very high level production, trying to make it super professional. Um, do a stream a month and we're going to probably just do one artist a month from now on maybe not at now on definitely but at least until the pandemic has a little bit stronger of a hold because we only want to bring one person into the space at a time to do this but the first one it was multiple artists and i made a decision i'm going to give rashid the opening slot and he was not expecting that um and it was like this moment where i just knew he was going to kill it and he did but he, it meant so much to him to be given that opportunity. And it was just kind of this like cool weaving together of, you know, this is, this is why like ripe exists, you know, like to see a moment like that where Rashid gets to use his gift, but it also encouraged him in his gift to be able to use his gift down the line a little bit better than he would have without the opportunity. You know, we did a run-through, and he said some things at the run-through. It was like, you know, Scott just asked me to do this yesterday. I'm not really prepared. You know, and, and the next time I coached him a little bit, like, don't ever make excuses. 
for your art before you go. You know, like just you got one minute to catch somebody's attention before you play. What do you really want to get across? Say that. Whatever it is, if it's buy my merch, whatever, that's fine. But say something that matters, you know. Don't waste people's time. Steward the opportunity. And to see that change and develop, like I'm a singer-songwriter from Norristown, you know, and like own it. Like it was just like, oh, I love this kid so much. I love that. So that was that was a highlight for me was doing that stream, seeing Rashid, and then getting the confirmation from him of just how much this team has meant to him. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm really, really, really excited for that young guy and all the rest of them too. Like they're all amazing, doing amazing things. And uh, but he's just a newbie, so he's kind of got like a soft place in my heart. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else before we go? And Dar gets mad for <laughs> just kidding. She's awesome. She won't get mad. Yeah. No. I, just the best. The best thing out of this whole thing, unrelated to Ripe, has just been married. Um, like for real, for real, the last 10 months have been the best 10 months of our relationship, um, of the last six years, you know, and a lot of that's just like, we've never spent this much time together in the same house and we don't have anywhere to go, you know? Um, so we're just together a lot and that's been such a, such a blessing. Um, and I know that that's maybe not the way it will be forever, um, but we will always cherish and it's hard to say that because you feel so obtuse like to be like people have died right have happened hospitals are overwhelmed people are sick so many people have lost family members we've lost family members it's been a very hard you know very difficult season but there has certainly been some working everything together for our good mm -hmm. and it's glory type stuff and I would just say, you know, our marriage has definitely been a beneficiary of this season. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 yeah, that's that's kind of the only other thing I would say is just I'm very thankful for for Darlene and for our marriage and getting a chance to, to run after this kind of stuff together. Um, super, super humbling. Wouldn't have it any other way. Awesome. And I sincerely appreciate you taking your morning to talk to me and just share your heart and what you're doing and um, what's ahead. Can you just shout out some of the socials and things like that where people can stay connected and find ways to support you guys if they connected with our conversation? Yeah, yeah. So um, Facebook, we don't really leverage the Facebook a whole lot. Um, just because of the nature of personal Facebook's team seem to grab people's attention more than business ones do. So um, you can add me on Facebook, Scott Smith. Uh, just you'll find a mutual friend named Emily. And, uh, you'll know that it's me. On Instagram, my personal is Scott7, the number 7 Smith. Uh, we also have at uh, Ripe Creatives. We also have at Creatives Philly. We have at Coming and Ripe, which is the podcast. Uh, there's a few different handles you can follow on the IG front. Um, and then YouTube is Ripe Creation. Um, so that's kind of the YouTube platform where all of our podcasts will eventually be up there as videos when we're back to in person recording all the music videos that Aaron and Rick do and Rashid does. Any type of, so we're doing like a promo for a worship night that we're going to host. All of our creatives clips will go up there. So uh, you guys can definitely check us out on YouTube as we build that platform. And then um, the website RipeCreatives.com. 
Um, that website is going to give you everything you need to know. Our mission, vision, values, um, some you know stories of what we've done in the past. A lot of my spoken word stuff is up on there. Not a lot of it, but some. And you know, there's a there's a give button on that website that takes you to our giving platform if you wanted to partner with us, you know, one time or monthly or whatever. The Lord might lead you to do. I mean, that that would be phenomenal if something like that happened. But obviously, no pressure or obligation. RipeCreatives.com. All right, everyone, you heard it, ripecreatives.com. Go check them out. Follow them on socials. You can find Scott on Instagram at scott7smith. Uh, See what they're doing. See the upcoming events. And also follow them on YouTube at Ripe Creatives. They have some really great um, online concerts and, like he said, the podcast and things like that you can find on there. So thank you, Scott. Thank you so much for sharing your heart with us. And uh, for everyone who wants to know more about That Really Happened, you can go over to Instagram and find us at That Really Happened Podcast.